Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read verse 58. We've been in this series unmovable since the second week of January, and we're growing to an end. There's one more message in this series delivered in March, and it's a message that will encourage you to step out and be what God has called you to be. This morning, we're going to be talking about good works. There's a great battle in the minds of theologians and churchgoers about faith versus works. Let me just put it this way. James said it very clearly. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. In other words, you can't live for Christ and have the power of the Spirit residing in you and not be involved in furthering His kingdom. Because good works further the kingdom of God. Look, at me, look with me at 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let me read that last sentence again. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want to read it from the message. It says it this way. With all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. I want to read it from the Amplified Bible. It says it this way. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It's never wasted or to no purpose. Father, add your anointing to the preaching of your word, soften hard hearts, draw believers to you, change our lives in this place today. We ask it in Jesus' name. When I read that from the Greek and I read the term or the sentence uh, abounding, it literally means to superabound, to be in excess or to excel, to make more, to have more, over and above, to be more abundant, to be better, to exceed, excel, increase all that God has done for you. That's an amazing thing. Abounding is a powerful word because it tells us that coming to church on Sunday morning, sitting on a church seat, watching us online is not God's goal for you. His goal for you and me is to abound in the work of the Lord. His goal for you and me is to be more, to have more, to do more in the work of the Lord, to be over and above. So I have to ask the question, what is the work of the Lord and how do we abound in it? Well, Peter answers that question in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. He had been called by the Spirit to the household of Cornelius, who was a Gentile. Peter was a Jew. He had just had a revelation through a dream that what God called clean, he shouldn't call unclean. And in the conclusion of the dream, there was a knock on the door, and it was one of Cornelius' servants asking him to come to the household of that Gentile. So Peter went, 
And in that message, as he preached Jesus to them, he said it this way in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What's the work of the Lord? It's right there in that verse. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Healing can also be translated to make whole. As you look around you today, the world is filled with broken people. The world is filled with people who have walked through tragedy, crisis, some because of their own doing, some because of others' doing. But the end result was the same. They're broken, they're shattered, and they need God to do something in them and through them. And here's the good news. He's going to give you an opportunity and me an opportunity to speak into their life, to pray the prayer of faith over them, and to see God do a great thing in those individuals. Love the way you're shouting now. You see, when we talk about victory, you get excited. We talk about the power of the Holy Ghost, you get excited. We talk about divine healing, you get excited. But when I talk about good works... And our responsibility in the kingdom of God, we draw back. We refuse to step in. Because we're very happy coming to church on Sunday morning. Some of us even read our Bible and pray every day. Occasionally we come on Wednesday night and that's the scope of our experience with Jesus Christ. May I tell you, if that's your definition of a relationship with Him, you are failing miserably. God wants you to be involved in the kingdom. God wants you to be active in good works. God wants you to move in the power of the Holy Spirit that enables men and women to see God's goodness. I want you to notice this, remember it. Good works in the kingdom of God flow from God's goodness. They're not man-made, they're not man-manufactured. It flows because God is in your life and you want to do something for those around you. Did you know Job 42.10 says that God restored Job twofold when he prayed for his friends? That's a powerful statement. You know what it says to you and me today in 2023? It says, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit moaning and groaning about your dilemmas. Quit wringing your hands with anxiety and worry and go do something for someone that will change their lives. Good works. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tell us how those good works flow. It says, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. See, the fruit of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit begins working in us and changing us, His goal is to help us bear fruit. Paul says this is the evidence that Holy Spirit is working in you. That you're going to live in these things, in joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's where you're going to park, that's where you're going to live, and that's what's going to flow out of you. It's a powerful two verses of Scripture. But the goodness of the Lord and the work of the Lord flows from the Holy Spirit in us. You see, when we live in the goodness of God, then we have the ability, the foundation, the right to share the goodness of God with those around us. 
There is nothing wrong with telling your coworker, I've been where you're at. I'm going to pray for you that God will do for you what he did for me and bring you out. Well, we can't do that. We work for such and such. Just be good. Just show the goodness of God. Allow God to move through you. Not long ago, about a month ago, all of America had a prayer meeting because a football player died on the field. It brought men to him. Do you realize there are people waiting for someone to show them the goodness of God? They've been beat overhead with the Bible. They've heard the Roman road. They've had Christians get in their face. That's not what they need. They need someone to show them the goodness of God. And the goodness of God is cloaked in love, in joy, in peace, in patience, in gentleness, in goodness, in kindness. Those things should flow from our lives. We should show those daily to those around us. I want you to understand something. The goodness of God and the good works of the Lord are created by Holy Spirit in you. You don't work it up. You don't dream it up. You don't plan it out. But when Holy Spirit is living in you, He guides you and directs you and puts you in places in front of people that need to see God in you. And when they see God in you, the goodness of God begins to flow and the good works of the Lord begin to flow. I want you to understand, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about random acts of kindness. That's a good idea, but it's not a God idea. And too often in the church, we have settled for good ideas, for programs, for exercises, for all these things that are good ideas, but they're not God ideas. We need to pursue God ideas. Because from God, His goodness begins to flow through us. Often in the church, we're actually driven by culture rather than being driven by the Spirit of God. We find ourselves bending a knee to what's around us rather than a knee to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. We submit. We become submissive to all that the culture wants to do in us. But I'm here to tell you this morning... Culture doesn't set the right example for a believer. Culture does not lift us and strengthen us and encourage us and give us the power and the ability to do good works. Only the Spirit of God in you does that. When I think about culture, I see a culture that's driven by cowards. Driven by cowards. And all they can succeed in is blaming others and criticizing others. God help the church that that does not embody us. We cannot be driven by cowards. We need courage to stand today. Oh, I pray as God said to Joshua, be of good courage, be an overcomer, be strong and courageous. That needs to fill your heart and fill your mind because there's areas when you back off, when you have backed down, when you've walked around somebody because you're afraid of what might happen. May the Spirit of God fill you with divine supernatural courage so you can stand in the evil day and declare the good works of God. What does culture create for us? It creates a culture of violence. Absolutely. It's on every hand. And it's just not in our streets and in gangs and in drugs. 
It flows from a house leader and all of Hollywood and entertainment. I never cease to be amazed by these, quote, actors who are going to kill 10,000 people in a movie with a gun and then say, I'm against the Second Amendment. You talk about hypocrisy, that's it at its finest. You can say amen or oh me, I really don't care. What about greed? Yeah, we have a desire to get ahead. We're going to pursue with all of our might. No matter who we step on, we're going to get what we need and what we want. It's what culture promotes. How about lust? Every billboard, every commercial, every ad is filled with seductive images. All designed to take you away from God and to take you to a place where Satan will devour you with lust. It's time for you and I to stand up and say, it's not going to happen in my life. It's not going to happen in my church. It's not going to happen in my family. We will be courageous and not give in to culture. What about about the church? Culture is so invaded, so pervasive in the church. That everything we see out there, we see in here. Folks, I'm coming to tell you, that should not be. If the power of God resides in your life, then you should rise above culture. Stand against the evil of our day and declare and do the good works of God. It's time for believers to stop being cowards and be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. You know Ephesians 2.8.9, right? It says, For by grace are you saved through faith. That is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then Paul goes into Ephesians 2.10 and again blows away the argument that it's all by faith and no work should follow. He says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want you to understand something. That word created, it can literally be translated handcrafted. You're a work of the master. You are handcrafted for his service. Every wart, every wrinkle are for the master. Every gray head on my head, people say, you can't reach young people, you're too old. I got news for you, the gospel has no age restrictions. And it doesn't matter if you're 85, which I'm not, by the way. If you're 85 or if you're 17, the gospel is the same for every one of us. And when it's declared under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, lives are changed regardless of age. You've got to come to the place where we understand that. Paul said we're created for good works, handcrafted for good works. And they are specific works that God has prepared for us in advance. Oh, listen, when you weren't even a twinkle in your daddy's eye, God had already laid the plan for your life. He already set in place those things that you would accomplish as you submit and yield to him. God has a plan. And it involves every one of us. And there are specific tasks, good works, in God's plan for you and I. I have mine. You have yours. They're often not even close to the same. It's what God created us to do. 
He handcrafted us for works that He preordained in our lives. But we don't do them alone. God is right there working with us every step of the way, every moment. We don't do them alone. God has specifically paved the way, arranged the circumstances, brought together the resources to make it possible for you to do the good works that He already ordained in your life. And now it's up to us to follow Him in faith. It's up to us to say, Lord, I believe. It's up to us to say, I'm tired of living the way I'm living in fear and cowardice. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to be courageous through the power of the Spirit of God and watch what God does through my life. See the things that occur. I want you to understand this. Matter of fact, every born-again believer in this room and online, stand with me right now. Stand up. If you're a born-again believer, stand up. If you're not, keep your seat. There's no judgment, no condemnation. I've got a word for every one of you that are standing. You need to hear it. You need to receive it. You need to drive it in your heart so that when the temptation comes to fear, to bow away, to back off, you say, oh, no, I got a word. And it's a word from God. This is the word of God for you. You are the key that opens the goodness of God to somebody else. And you may be the only key that opens the goodness of God to somebody else. It's time, church, to rise up, quit pushing it off on somebody else, stop saying that's their job, I don't want to do that, and do what God created you to do. You may be seated. You may very well be the key that unlocks the goodness of God to somebody else. Don't take that lightly. That's direct from the throne for you and I. Years ago, when I started pastoring the first church in southern Kansas, my overseer, we call him a general district superintendent, made it clear that preachers should play golf. I'm from the country, 17 miles from the nearest town. We don't even know what golf is. The closest I came from golf, I think I was 10 or 11, there was a golf course, the Fairview Municipal Golf Course, five miles from our house. It means it was 12 miles from town. And every now and then, I'd get on my horse and ride that five miles and then walk the bar ditches picking up golf balls that people had hit once and then they went into the ditch. Then I'd take that bag of balls up to the uh, clubhouse and I'd sell them for a nickel apiece. And then they would probably sell them for 20 cents apiece. That's all I knew about golf. There's a lot of balls that don't stay on the course. So when he said that, I thought, well, I guess I can try. So I took some lessons even. Can I tell you, I was terrible. I never broke 100 in my life. My scores were between 120 and 130 consistently. And then I heard about a best ball tournament. I didn't know what it was. Someone had to tell me. What it is, is that you take the best score out of four on every hole. And then you add it up, and that's your total score. Well, I happened to be paired with a guy who'd been a college golfer. This guy was unreal. He could drive the ball forever. Never missed on a chip shot or a putt. And I thought, well, maybe I'll get one hole that I've scored on. His was 18 holes. I didn't get my score written down one time. But at the end... He had shot a 71. Amazing. 
And when they looked at the scorecards, they called our four guys up and they said, you're the champions, you're the winner. You've got a 71. And because of that, each one of you get a trophy. And I'm sitting there holding this whole thing thinking, I didn't earn this. I didn't win this. This has nothing to do with me because I'm terrible. But there was someone on my team who was great. I've come to tell you this morning, when you're afraid of good works, you got to remember that you're on Team Jesus, and Team Jesus never loses. He always wins. You're not alone. He's working with you. He's paving the way before you. He's already gathered the resources you need to accomplish the good works of God in and over your life. What did I score that day? 127. Didn't matter. Because he scored 71. Do you hear what I'm saying? Stop being afraid of what you can't do and let the master of the universe begin flowing into your life for what you can do and watch and see the goodness of God unfold around you. God called you into the goodness of God. You see, when we're believers, doing good works should be intrinsic in our lives. We are made for, Paul said, created for, handcrafted for the works God preordained for your life and for mine. You know what that means? It doesn't mean if you're outgoing or if you're an introvert. It doesn't mean if you love people or you just like to be alone all the time. It means if you're a believer, there's a path for you. And there are good works ahead of you if you'll submit to God, be full of His Holy Spirit, and watch what He can do in our lives. So what's the work of the Lord? We talked about what it says in Ephesians, or in Acts, I'm sorry, 1038. But let's look at what Jesus said. Because one day He went to Nazareth, where He grew up. And He went to the temple or the synagogue. And they brought him the scroll with the book of Isaiah, and he turned to chapter 61 and began to read. It's recorded in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed." That's the good works of the Lord. That's what Jesus said is my mission. That's what he said I'm called to do. And may I tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the same applies to you. Because he said, greater works than these shall ye do, because I go to my Father. Oh, somebody, get in your spirit. Quit being reticent. Quit being a coward. Quit sitting on the back row. Quit being on the bench and get in the fights. Good works flow from that. Let's break that down. He said to preach good news. To preach the gospel. The gospel is good news. The word preach can also be translated to proclaim, to talk about, to announce. God didn't call all of us to be pulpit preachers. But He called all of us to be proclaimers. He called all of us to be those who announce the good works of God. 
I want to say it one more time. There's a whole world out there that doesn't believe God is real or that he exists or that he does anything. And you know why? Because believers for decades have sat on church pews and thought that was the epitome of their religion. When today God is calling us out of the position into action. And I'm so thankful what God is doing in Asbury, Kentucky with that worship revival. I'm so thankful what he does among our young people in worship. But let me tell you something. If all we do is worship and we ignore the word, we become very imbalanced believers. And this is what happens. We don't have the strength of the courage to stand up. We just want to run to the sanctuary, to the safe place, the church. And worship Him some more. Worship is not designed for you to only worship. It's designed to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. To charge you up. To encourage you. To get out of your seat. And get out of your church. And do the good works of God. You see, He was there to heal the brokenhearted. Brokenhearted means completely crushed. Shattered. Do you know anyone who's been shattered? I know a lot of people, and I've seen God put them back together. I don't have time today to read you the list or think about the list or recount the list, but there are literally hundreds and thousands of people that I've seen God put back together. They're shattered. An abused child who never recovers from that abuse, and they become an abusive adult, is shattered, broken, crushed. A rejected spouse, still carrying the wounds of betrayal, shattered, broken, crushed. The Christian who walked away from the church because someone offended them. You know, I always like to tell people, ask people when they say that, well, have you ever been offended at work? Did you quit? No, because I needed the income. Don't you understand? You need life from Jesus more than you need money in your bank. Life will see you through. Money's going to run out. If you're able to work through your offense at work, you ought to be able to work through your offense at church. I mean, that's good. I'm going to say it again, and you need to say amen. If you're able to work through your offense at work, you should be able to work through your offense at church and see God do mighty things in your life. Stop running in cowardice. Oh, this word is for somebody. You have bounced from pillar to post, church to church, because you see something you don't like, or it doesn't strike you, or it doesn't fit you. Stop living in that garbage and running in cowardice and let God fill you with courage today and become the man or the woman who will stand in the evil day and declare the good works of God. How about the businessman that went bankrupt, shattered, broken? How about the parent who has rebellious children who have done heinous things, sometimes even leading them to prison? Broken, shattered. We're here to heal the brokenhearted. Number three, he said, I've come to bring deliverance to the captives. It literally means freedom. It means pardon to captives. If you translate that word captives literally, it means prisoners of war. People all around us are prisoners of war to Satan's kingdom. 
to Satan's dominion, to Satan's lies. But Jesus said, we have come to bring deliverance to the captives, to see those that are bound set free by the power of God. He said, the recovery of sight to the blind. The word blind means opaque or smoky. It's both literal and spiritual in this verse. Jesus opened blind eyes, but he also opened blind spirits. He opened the eyes of the spirit to see God and respond to him. He said, I came to set at liberty, set at liberty. It's the same word translated deliverance earlier. First John 3, 8, think about this, tells us that Jesus Christ came to wreck the plans of the enemy, to destroy everything that Satan has planned. Matter of fact, let's read that scripture. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Read it again. For this purpose, for this reason, Jesus came to planet Earth. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the reason he came, to destroy the works of the devil. Oh, somebody ought to get excited. You don't have to live in bondage. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live with addictions and habits that are going to destroy you because Jesus came to set you free and to destroy the works of the devil in and over your life. Jesus came and lived a sinless life. Scripture tells us he was tempted in every point just like we are, yet he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross in our place. He took our judgment, our sentence, and he bore it upon himself. Tom, will you come back? Jesus died in our place. And then he resurrected eternally to usher in the kingdom of God to you and me. He resurrected eternally to smash Satan's grip to smithereens. Everything that's held you back is destroyed by the power of Jesus Christ. He destroyed hatred with his love. He destroyed lawlessness with his righteousness. He destroyed the power of death with his resurrection. Some may wonder, well, if Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan, why are there still so many things happening around us that are directly attributed to Satan? Well, let me say it this way. If people are open and willing to entertain his presence and his lies, bad things will continue to happen in and through them. And if a believer chooses to give the devil the key to his life and a room in their life, he will destroy you. We've got to come to the place where we recognize there's a real enemy. His name is Satan. It's not the brother or sister in the church with you. It's not the pastor or the youth pastor. Your enemy is the devil. And we are called to fight against him with good works. To prove to people the kingdom of God and the power of God in and over our lives. I've come to tell you this morning. Stand with me, please. I've come to tell you this morning, Satan has no claim on you. As a born-again believer, he has no claim on you. And the God of peace will constantly and continually crush Satan under your feet. 
Jesus disarmed the devil. You need to hear this. He removed the fangs of the servant. Serpent. He knocked the teeth out of the roaring lion. And he came to bring you victory. He destroyed all the works of the devil. Envy and lust and greed. He destroyed all the works of the devil. Fear and anxiety and hatred and pride. And on and on I could go. Oh friend, I've come to tell you today. It's a day of liberty. It's a day of transformation. It's a day for people to be set free and move in the good works of God. Elders and deacons, I need you now. Come and line up across the front. Don't hesitate. I need you quickly. Right now, come, all the elders and deacons, line up across the front. Here's my call to you. If you're in this place this morning and you know Jesus as your Savior, but you have been hesitant to share the good news with anyone, you have stayed back, you have stepped back. I'm coming to tell you that's not God's plan. And right now, I want you to step out and come. One of these are going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you. God's going to do a work in your life. If you need God to help you, to fill you with courage, step out and come right now. Don't wait for anyone else. You come. Secondly, if you're in this house today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you've never asked Him to forgive you, to cleanse you, to transform you, then I want you to step out and come too. Meet me right here. I'm going to pray with you personally, and God's going to do a work in your life. Begin to sing it, Tom. Declare it over this house today. Come on, this is your time. This is your moment. This is your opportunity to experience the goodness of God that will bring His goodness into your heart and into your life. Step out and come right now. Come on, don't wait, don't hesitate. I know there's dozens who need to be here this morning praying that God would fill them with His goodness, His grace, His mercy, His courage to send them out. Come on, God's talking to you. Holy Spirit is drawing you. Come right now. made it to the end of the message and now what is god leading you to make a change are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of christ then we invite you to join us at all nations church on sharer road in tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of god's word and the power of the holy spirit our sunday morning service is at 10:30 and wednesday night service at 7 plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.